Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Party Pod is brought to you by the book Ending Addiction for Good, which is by Cliffside Treatment Center founder and CEO Richard Tate and Dr. Constance Scharf, Cliffside's addiction researcher. Through self-disclosure, case studies, scientific facts, and firsthand experience, Tate and Scharf explain how anyone can recover from addiction. The book is great. I'm a fan of it. And it I'm not the only one. It's received rave reviews and it made it into the VMA's gift bag. And you just know those people need to hear this message. You can get the book on Amazon, of course, or by going to their website, which is cliffsidemalibu.com. Hey guys, Anna David here with the After Party Pod. Be sure to check out After Party Chat, uh, where you can see articles about addiction, recovery, all that falls between lifestyles of the sober and not all that fabulous. Though maybe sometimes fabulous, maybe fabulous doesn't even play a part in it. Hard to do a lot with Robin Leach is the truth. Uh, Today, I not only have a very special treat for you in the form of a very special guest, But I also have, as promised, the debut of a new segment here. That new segment, it is called House Calls because it features the delightful Laura House, who will be giving us her take on a couple sober expressions, recovery expressions, you know, the lingo, the things people say. Uh, None of this is meant to make light of the seriousness of the journey from addiction to recovery. None of this is meant to affect offend anybody who might think that these are not expressions that should be talked about uh, because of a tradition. This is just, Lore House is really funny. And some of these expressions are pretty uh, funny, worth discussing, I would say. I find this to be the perfect way to do it. Uh, that's, why, that's why I'm doing it. Uh, the, our guest today is a hilarious and wonderful guy. His name is Jake Fogelness. Now, Jake has been working a really long time, even though he's only, I think, 34 years old. He started a public access show out of his childhood bedroom when he was 14. It was called Squirt TV. He was that little squirt on TV. Uh, and, and it was so quirky, and he was so precocious that everybody started watching it. And, um, you know, people like the Beastie Boys and and Janine Garofalo and, and all of these people. And then that show went to MTV. And then and then, then he, he had a little period of self-destruction, um, you know, which we, we talk about it all. And then um, he got it back together again. 
He did some more experimenting. Um, now, though he sort of claims otherwise, he's the busiest man in enter- entertainment. He has multiple shows on the Sirius Network. He has a very popular podcast called The Fogelnest Files, which is on Earwolf. And he does it live at UCB. He just returned from New York where he was writing for Billy on the Street. What does he not do is really the question. Um, So we had a great chat. I met him earlier this year. uh, Didn't know anything about him. And um, and now, you know, I'm semi-addicted to following him on Twitter addicted see i worked addiction into it anyway i hope you guys enjoy the new segment enjoy the guest i hope you will write me and tell me i do love it when you tell you tell me on twitter mostly uh but feel free to email me anna at after party chat maybe there's somebody you think should be on this podcast i will listen to you i like to interview people in recovery from addiction uh, so, and I'm sure there are plenty of those people that I don't know about that you do. So let me know about that. Feel free. Feel free. I mean, feel a lot of freedom when it comes to the idea of leaving a positive comment on iTunes or even giving us five stars. Why not? You know, being of service to this podcast is, is good for you. That's, that's honestly the truth. So anyway, thank you for listening. See you next week. Enjoy. Hi, guys. This is House Calls with Laura House. House Calls. Today, she's going to give us her feelings about the expression crosstalk. Ugh. I have very strong feelings today about crosstalk. Mm. First of all, why is no crosstalk permission to crosstalk? That is bad news. Okay. Well, th- like I- when you go, no offense, you're like, you've gotten really super fat, no yeah, offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no offense, but you are offending. Yeah. But I feel like I heard it within the past six hours of somebody a long, long time, long, long time yeah. said, no crosstalk, but, and then it was like, but to the woman who said the thing. And I was sitting there like, you kind of wonder, like, because sometimes people will say something helpful. Yeah. Like, no crosstalk, but I totally get it. I went through the same thing and hang in there. Like, right. and it's nice. But this was a little shaming. Yeah. What that's this what guy said. And I was, and the woman left the meeting. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. That is why there's no crosstalk. Yeah. So I'm particularly angry about it today. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm not a, I'm not a mind reader. That's on the list. I'm not a mind reader. She could have left the meeting for she could have had any number commitment. of reasons. But yeah. all I know is a guy said something to her that I know I would. And he was coming from a fine place. He wasn't trying to be shit. He was saying I had a similar experience. I took this action. That part was a little shaming. But it was. But I would not have heard that correct. I would not have heard that as um, being helpful. Really, really new. So there's a no. reason why no well, crosstalk, and I wish people would. Um, I mean, there's one really respect. The that. one thing is when a speaker shares, and people, you know, say, "Oh, thank you so much. I related to this, this, and this." That's okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I, I have seen a crosstalk thing go terribly awry. It's almost a little dark to bring up. It's yeah, um, but, but it's really not funny. It's yeah. really kind of terrible. But so, but I think the the confusing thing about the language is that it means different things to different people. Like I've heard meetings where they say crosstalk is defined as talking while someone else is sharing. Really? That's I think interrupting. That's defined as yeah, talking while someone else is sharing. <laughs> I just did it. 
You just did I it. just talked you. You were so you. talented. She's not only a comedian and a meditation <laughs> teacher. I talked right over you to explain but she, that version. She can explain. I'm still, I'm still doing by it. By acting them out. Uh-huh. Um, this is... One like, more thing. <laughs> she's a multi-talent. She, we call that a multi-hyphen sometimes. Don't, so I think we've learned, don't cross-talk, A, and B, if you... <laughs> If you do crosstalk, don't start by saying, hey, no crosstalk, but like own it. At yeah. least, at hey, least be responsible some, for your cross-talk. crazy crosstalk. Yeah. House calls with Laura House. Look what's happening. Now it's working? Yeah. There you go. Oh my we got God. hours to record. I mean, and here we had brilliance. We had brilliance <laughs> on tape. We had your original reaction to me, me telling that fascinating story of meeting you. Yes. Lost. Gone forever. That's but you know so what? tragic. That's all right. But I don't like the way, yeah, that, that microphone, it wants to get away from you, kind of like my cat. Your cat is very cute. She's beautiful, right? She's a beautiful cat. I've only seen the one. One yeah. is under the bed. Yeah. My cat um, is at my mom's house because I was, you know, I've been back and forth from New York. And right. I was like, hey, will you watch my cat? I've been back now for several days. My mom will not return my cat. Wait, your mom is in LA? Yeah, my mom uh, lives in LA now. She moved out when you she, moved out? No, she moved out um, about six months after I moved out. She moved out. I guess yeah, six months after. I feel like that's really rare for an older per- an older New Yorker to move to LA. Well, what's in New York anymore? Nothing. It's awful. I you know hate it. what is what is left for you know? She took over the lease on my apartment. She lost her apartment. She took over the lease on my old apartment. That lease was up, and then it was just like she had come out to visit, and was sort of like, "What are we going to do? Get you another apartment in New York City for a billion dollars, or right. you'd be here? There's it's sunny." And she's like. I'm moving. Right, right. You know, and she make like lady friends out here. Yeah, she's got like a whole life. It's really nice. But, um, so but she's she's kidnapped my cat. Right, right. Can't get it back. Well, first of all, I thought you couldn't take a cat to a new location because they basically. I mean, Toby goes on hunger strike. Right. If I ever take her anywhere else. Um, Egon, my cat gets bad. He's, he's gotten better at it. He doesn't mind the location change. Uh, because now he knows the location. Yeah, yeah. However, he does not like the transportation to the location change. See, my cats are different. They think that transportation is super fun. Oh, I wish that was the case. Well, but me. I do it. Well, A, I, I drive. Right. Okay, something insane is happening with Toby. Um, but so what I do, you're supposed to keep them in the little cage or whatever. Yeah. And instead I let them roam crazily and right. they love it. But it's not safe. I mean, like they'll be under the, the yeah. break and stuff like that. <laughs> no, I'm serious. But they yeah. love it so much. How right. can I not indulge them? Um, because you're a responsible adult. Apparently that is not the case. Um, so Egon doesn't like it. He trip. doesn't like it. He gets really freaked out. Um, he's gotten better at it. Um, even just getting him into the carrier is an Oh, that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. yeah you got to sneak up on him. Yeah, and... it's awful. I, don't, I, I hate it. I know. But, I know. Uh, but yeah, now he's, fi- he's fine. He, he, he will be traumatized later today when he gets put into a carrier but then he'll be fine within two right. seconds right that's the home. thing about cat memories is they're really insanely they're kind of dumb cats <laughs> like they're very sweet i love cats they're kind of dimwits well look how small they are how yeah. big can their brains be they're, it's not that, that look, being look said, they're dopey little things i'll be honest you haven't met lily 
that girl mm-hmm. is a lot smarter than a lot, a lot of people I know. Okay. She doesn't have command of the English language, but yeah. she is smarter, that definitely, you know, than that certain you know people. Of. It, that could be... Uh, no, no, I'm... Po- I mean, like, she can open doors. I mean, no, she, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's too bad she's not out here wowing you. That could happen. <laughs> okay, but... So, um, okay, so I was saying that um, I was introduced to, uh, you know, the person that is Jake Fogelnest in a sort of somewhat backwards way. Of course, in retrospect, I now remember seeing you on... You know, the the VH1 mm-hmm. talking head stuff. But we met in a business meeting. We met in a business meeting. Right. And, and with with a guy who, who I adore, who I'm seeing tonight, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, and so all he said is, I was in this very busy time in my life, and he said, come in, we're going to talk about doing this podcast. And so all I knew is I was in a business meeting with my buddy Dave mm-hmm. and two guys who were cracking me up. And I'm like, people are, these are uncommonly funny men. Who are <laughs> these men? And then it somehow came up that we were all sober. Right. Okay. That happened. Then I started to become, and, and it was sort of mentioned in passing, oh, Jake, yeah, he, um, you know, he was in Wet Hot American Summer. And I'm like, that's weird. For 10 seconds. Okay, though. I know. Yeah. That's hardly like the big exciting thing from your resume. Yeah. And yet that's, the, again, it all came backwards. And then I started to understand that you have, you know, have this long um, comedy career that started when you were 12 years old. Right. Uh, I was like, I was like 15. Okay. Uh and I, yeah, I was in New York and I, I had this public access show, which, uh, you know, let anybody do a show on public access. And it, and it uh, was sort of a talk show that was started on my bedroom and it became very popular and, and uh, then eventually became like, then I did a Comedy Central special and it became an MTV show. And it was just, just like, you know, this, the start of everything that, uh, that I've done. And it was uncommonly young. And, and what gave you this idea? You just were precocious and I, had opinions. Um, I think... What what happened was um, my father moved to New York in like 1985 or 1986, mm-hmm. and New York cable blows. Uh, I, I lived in Philadelphia with my mother at the time, and New York cable blows Philadelphia cable away. Right at the at the time, uh, and I remember very distinctively the day that the cable guy came in with this brown box with buttons that you push, you know, like at physical buttons. And he was like, hey, you know, for like uh, $500, we can make it so you get everything. <laughs> this blew my mind. Yeah. Like you could, th- when you could bribe the cable guy. I loved, I loved that era. Yeah, that era does not exist no, anymore. No, no, no. Uh, and so my dad did. Yeah. And so we got everything. And like that meant like HBO and everything, which like in Philadelphia – the original cable that I had was I had a box and it had a button on it and it was television, just the major networks, NBC. It wasn't even – I don't even think there was even Fox yet. And uh, and then you switched it over and you got HBO. That was what I had right. for cable. Right. So I was blown away. So I have access to HBO and all of the amazing cable channels and what do I land on that is the most interesting to me is public access television. Right. Which at the time in New York City in the in the late 80s was insane. And I saw, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not real. This can't be real. Like any they clearly anybody that wants a TV show can have a TV right. show. Right. And as a young kid, that was that was very exciting to me. It was also at the same time that uh, I was like seeing the John Waters movies for the first time, right. and it was just sort of like, oh, anybody can just do this. Like if these people are doing it, right. then I can do it, and I can do it now. So by the time I moved to New York City with my mother when I was fifteen, uh, it was like nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety four. 
And, you know, I had all those years of being like, yeah, if I move to New York, I want to do a cable access show. And uh, I just did it. You know, I'd always been interested in, uh, you know, doing that kind of stuff and comedy and, and things like that. So there was an opportunity and I just saw no reason why I shouldn't start and so you just recorded it and then and then it went on I, you drop I, it all yeah you recorded it i would i would record it on a i saved up one summer and bought a like a high eight camcorder mm-hmm. and uh and i would edit it between that and the vcr and then i would take a vhs tape and i would go to 23rd street and give it to the cable access people and they'd be like thank you very much and then they would play it on television that on is Sunday so night. that is insane it is insane um especially it still goes on it's, it's, it definitely still goes on. In fact, you know, Chris Gethard, um, who's a, a really good friend of mine, he, um, you know, Chris has been a UCB guy, for, had been a UCB guy for a decade, still is, um, and did and got cast in the lead of a Comedy Central show called Big Lake, mm-hmm. which uh, Adam McKay produced and it was, it was with Horatio Sands and Chris Parnell. It was a funny show. It didn't last but, uh, you know, this was a guy who's working in television and movies, and he's like, you know what, fucking, I'm doing a cable access show. And he started one, and it's, he's still doing it, and it's wildly successful. I think now they're going to try to actually turn it into a real oh show. And so, but for him to do it in this age of the internet, and they live stream it too, and they put it online. Right, right, but right. for him to do it in this age, it was kind of funny. But the reason why he did it is because they have access, like if you – sign up and everything uh you know it's community access they have cameras and a tv studio like that you can just use so he does a live show they take calls and you know it it's it's a resource that is available to people but underused underused but also going becoming sort of more and more obsolete as we all have the equipment that they have on our cell phones yeah 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 but um but it's yeah no it was it's just a great tool um, to use, and I, I just used it. That's all I did. And so then, P, how, how quickly did you understand that, that people and sort of high-profile people were responding to it and that kind of thing? That is where just um, an incredible amount of, of luck came right. into it um, because it was it was almost immediately. Right. It was within weeks of the show. That's so crazy. Uh, starting that because I had a voicemail number that I would leave the voicemail number up on the bottom of the screen the whole time and I could get voicemails uh, from people. I think the mailbox held originally 50 voicemails. Uh, I then made a deal with the voicemail company where it could be unlimited right? to pay more. Right. But of the 50 voicemails, it would be like the guys from They Might Be Giants or Sonic Youth and just very much the things that I was excited about and talking about were just they were home on Sunday night and they were watching. And Did you get to pick that it was on Sunday nights? No, that was just you didn't. You got to suggest like I would ideally I would like these time slots. I don't remember what time slot I originally wanted, but Sunday night at twelve thirty became an important thing uh, in when it was on, right? Uh, because this was an era where people still flicked through the channels. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like That's that true. was like you don't do that anymore. A guide right. comes up. Right. Um, so people would flick through the channels, and I was on channel 16, which was four away from MTV showing 120 minutes. So people would flick away from the commercial of 120 minutes, wow, land okay. on me playing something. They would land on like what they thought was just a show that was maybe playing a Devo music video. That video would end, and then I would pop up, right. and they would be like, 
what the what the hell is this? Right. I'm right. I'm I'm interested now. Right. Right. So that uh, yeah, that was it became important that that's when it was on. And, and it was also the, the time, the, the year that it was on, just what was going on in New York and pop culture at that moment. It was, it was definitely a of the moment thing. And so, okay. And so we're not going to dwell on it, but mm-hmm. you, so you, everything started to happen very quickly. You yeah. were a kid. You were a child. Yeah, I'm, I'm a child. Yes. And you make, you're making deals with MTV. The show mm-hmm. gets moved to MTV mm-hmm. And you basically start to self-destruct, go to your even, head, like even, what? Yeah, both of those things. And even before, you know what I mean? Like when you are a teenager, uh, I think you are filled with um, an arrogance that you never quite get back as an adult. And, right. and that can be a very good thing. And it can also be the worst thing in the world. And that is why teenagers are awful. So, right, so, right. so what, um, what happened to me, it was just like, I just sort of developed this attitude. Well, of course people are watching. Right. Of course. Right. Why wouldn't they? Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. And you know, you look back on that now and you're like, what? But, um, yeah, no. And even if I did not have a television show that was seeing success, some success as a teenager. I was a teenager living in New York City in 1994. And I was a teenager um, that grew up with a certain kind of parents and in a a certain type of atmosphere where just sort of like there was this attitude of like, we know you're going to be a bad teenager, but don't be too bad. And Yeah. yeah, there weren't sort of, and there was just, so I... I, I had the arrogance that is wonderful of being a teenager and the and the terrible stupidity that comes with it. Right, right, right. And I think also when things come easily, especially when you're not like a developed human being, yeah. you just think, of course, you're special. I mean, this if it happened it to me be, right now, yeah, this, I'm just one of the chosen people. Mm-hmm. People are really interested. So, and I'm only 17. Yeah. So, fuck all them. Exactly. You know, I exactly. mean, I could definitely understand. But yeah. the thing is, in a, in a, but you don't seem like you'd have been a bad kid because you seem like you were just this like precocious, brilliant, you yeah. know, close, you know, you love your parents, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think I was a bad kid. I think I was a bad kid only in the sense I wasn't a bad kid. Uh, I think that I had a gene of, uh, right. I, I think I had a disease. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. I was, I think that like other than, I look back on it and other than that one sort of, you know, chromosome or whatever that was right. off, I was okay. Right, right, right. You know, I was, I was definitely cynical. I was definitely opinionated. I was definitely a smart mouth. I am still all of those things today. That's just who I am. And those are, those are good things about me. Um, but I think that I had a predisposition, yeah. uh, to drugs and alcohol and did you know that then? No, I mean, nobody talked about no, it. No, I didn't understand what even physical addiction meant. Right. It seemed like something that stupid people got into. Right, right. And, right. and I, I, I had no understanding of that. My parents are not addicts right. or alcoholics. Uh, they, you know, my mother doesn't do anything. My father smokes pot the way that, um, quite honestly, I think most people in their sixties should smoke pot. You know, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, I don't mean to say, you know, there's some people who absolutely shouldn't smoke pot, but he's, you know, 
he's yeah. one of those guys. One of yeah. those old guys. I always hated pot, but yeah, uh, me too. So if they are in their sixties and they and they sh- and they're someone who can handle it, how should they smoke pot? Like pot once a week? Like I don't. I think it really depends on the person. Yeah. Um. You know, I I think that I I am very. You can't smoke pot all day. Like the people that yeah. smoke pot all day, I I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. I just don't know how to deal with and it. The, unless it's Doug Benson who rem- manages to remain totally sharp and that. I mean, as as I was saying that there is an exception there, to he's every the only rule. One. <laughs> but I think that Doug, um, who is just the nicest, most brilliant, funny man, I think that Doug has created a career and a lifestyle for himself. That like, yep, I'm the only guy who can do this. Really, and also, he's got a work ethic that's uh, yeah, pretty amazing. Well, and also because I was I was earning my KDAC at UCLA, which I am super. I, I'm a dropout. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sort That's of okay. Stuck. I don't even know what that is. Oh, what that is is it's it's becoming certified to become a drug and alcohol counselor. Oh, okay. And I don't really want to be that. I just thought it would be really interesting to have that education. Sure. Anyway, one of the things I learned is that the brain uh, does not stop forming um, if you're a woman until you're 22, and right. if you're a guy until you're 25. And I've heard Doug Benson say he started smoking pot at 26. That is really interesting. Yeah, it is. That it is, is really interesting. Yeah. No, that. That, that you know, yeah. and there's these guys like you know, like I'm always I'm skeptical of Kevin Smith, who Does he, is he a big he guy? started smoking later in life, and he started smoking. He talks about it, uh, starting to smoke on uh, the set of uh, Zach and Miri make a porn. Right. Oh, that that's late in his career. Late too. in his career, and uh, and how it's been this motivating factor. But then then what comes with it is like I'm not making movies anymore. Right. I'm just going to do podcasts, <laughs> and, so, and which I think it's like that's funny, and I think that. You know, but he waited late in life, and yeah. I don't know. It's it's sort of a it's sort of a joke like that that goes around like, oh yeah, it's pot's been great for you, right? But then again, he did make uh, that movie Red State, which is unlike anything that he's ever done, and actually is like quite good. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like you're getting kicked off of planes for your weight and stuff like that. So like, maybe life isn't. Look, he wears a great. lot. He wears a lot of hockey jerseys, and that's his thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, by the way, I did start listening to his podcast. I, you know, because I'm not like a natural mm-hmm. Kevin Smith person. Like, that's not really. You seem like you would be like so into the viewersque universe. <laughs> Seems like such an inviting place for women. <laughs> No, but like, I don't I, need to shit on Kevin Smith, but it no, is, it's no. definitely dudes but, like that. But I yeah. also, I actually literally, because I used to be on G4, mm-hmm. say, and that was like a big, everyone's, and I just was like, I don't even understand it. Right. Like, I've tried, and I don't understand it. And then I got to know Jason Mewes a little bit, and I started listening to the podcast, and, and I, and His Kevin Smith. fascinating, yeah. Yeah. But Kevin Smith's so, he's so sweet on yeah. those podcasts. It made me sort of adore him. I, he's been so nice to me over the years. I like Kevin. He and, sure yeah. comes across as a yeah. nice guy. Yeah, he's genuine as, yeah. as it gets. He's a good Jersey boy. Yeah. So. so, okay. And so what were you, do you not want to talk about what you were doing? Like when oh, you were I mean, I've, like, I've talked about that stuff so much. Basically, all of the drugs that you could do. Right. Which in New York. Which in New York in is the awesome. 90s, In the 90s was everything. Imaginable. So I don't think it takes a, a brain surgeon to figure out cocaine sort of. Cocaine happened. Yeah, cocaine happened. That was not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wanted to shut my brain off and feel no feelings. And there's a great, yeah, there are great drugs for that if you're interested in that. Okay, okay, yeah. So that was, you know, uh, what was going on. Right, right. And um, And how did you start? You just found it? You just find it. Yes, you just find it. And um, if you're not informed about what it can do to you, 
and you're like a cool, and I'm using that in big air quotes, right. like New York kid. Right. Um, you're gonna you're gonna make uh, a really bad choice. Right. And right. you know, and I think what happens there's two things that happens with people that get involved with with uh, opiates is they they try it once and they go this makes me puke and it makes me feel awful uh, and uh, but it feels great but I'm never going to do it again because it's too good. And then there's people that are go, oh, well, why can't I just feel this way all, all the, the time? time? I'm entitled yeah. to that. Yeah, you know? I'm, yeah. yeah, I deserve that. I was in that category. Right, right. And, um, you know, I think that you can, if you were, I think you can sometimes be a functional um, drug user. I, I'd say about two years. Like about two That's years. That's a long time yeah, uh, to use like hard drugs. To use hard drugs. You can go, you can, look, Th- those two years are going to be hard. You're going to be lying. Right. You're going to be miserable. Right. You're going to uh, uh, be a, a thief. You're going to just be the worst human being in the world, and you're going to feel terrible about yourself. But you can go two years. You had youth on your side. Oh, youth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, uh, when I started, when I got into the Coke, it was, yeah, there was Coke no- is different. But th- yet there are people I know of that have been functioning Coke addicts for like 20 years. Yeah, they're jerks. But how do you do that? I, they can't be good people. Dr- no, I just no, no, am no. so, uh, you know, I am one of those people who's been very, very lucky that the desire to use has been lifted. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I have friends of mine that that is not the case. Yeah. But I think of, I look at all of the, first of all, I just look back at all of that time and, and all of that drug use is, it's like, it's disgusting. And I'm sort of, you know, uh, ashamed if I've ever presented it in a public way as like that's cool and that's a part of who makes me who I am and you know Lou Reed and blah, blah, blah. Right. it's like shut the fuck up yeah shut the fuck up I you know what I mean and I would also I would often use that as a defense mechanism with people to just be like look I'm cool yeah that happened but it's all good now and right. that is so lame right and the only reason I like if I was in any other circumstance, I wouldn't be talking. I've stopped right. talking about that. Right. Because, this is, because we are specifically talking about recovery and right. all that stuff, right. I'll talk about it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because you were worried it came across as callous or it just isn't I'm wor- interesting? First of all, I just don't think it's interesting. Right. It's not who I am today. It's not right. a reflection of my soul and, and right. who I am today. Uh, it's off-putting. It's uh, it, It's... It's just not me mm-hmm. anymore, and um, and I don't want anybody to get the impression uh, that that you can go through that and it will be okay because people right. die. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, and so I don't want to be another one of these guys. Like, yeah, that's a part of my story, man. Right. You know, right. it's a part of my story. But like, why don't I be? If I am going to talk about it at all, yeah. Why don't I be the guy that's like, yeah, 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 yeah. William Burroughs, it's great. Sure. You know what? Don't do it. Like, right. not in a just say no way, right? But in a like, all right, you want to know about it? Here are the actual consequences. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because you know I, I have this website now, and so one of the things that I do is I look for stor- stories all over the internet about drugs and addiction and recovery, and literally just. Every day there's probably two. It's like X Creed singer talks about his road to recovery. Like there is really like, not one like, yeah. musician yeah. who – but at the same time, what I, the reason I keep talking about it um, – now I'm concerned it's very off-putting. That word will like resonate in my no, head. No, no, no. It's off-putting no. if you're a 
somebody who is pre- let me Present- be clear about no, I, I presenting know. themselves like yeah man I was a 15 year old cool dude in yeah, New York yeah, City yeah, yeah, bye, yeah. Bye, bye. anyway let's talk let's do bits that's off putting <laughs> right 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 that's and it, and it's and it's also not who I am right right it's, but I don't think you've ever come across like that I mean I I worry know. that I have I and and I I don't think that I you know I have but I I can look back at something and be like what am I what am I right. doing that for right right but so but. I think that for people who are struggling with it, how nice it is to know that, you know, because I remember struggling with it and going, okay, so I could kill myself. Right. Or, and that's pretty much it. Like, I didn't understand that there was a life after it. I didn't understand that that life would be appealing. There is no light at the end. When you get to that place where there's no light at the end of the tunnel, that is an awful place to be. Yeah. It is a scary place to be. Uh, it is a place that I work really hard to make sure that I never go back to again. Yeah. But, and, and that's where it, it got, where it got better for me is when I, I always come back to the word of acceptance. When I sort of accepted, I'm not going to die. I, I, I am actively short of actually killing myself, which I can't do. Right. Okay. I, everything that I'm doing, all of my behavior would lead me to be a dead person and it's not happening. Oh God, I'm going to be one of these people that has to struggle with this forever. Right. Right. So, all right. So this is not working anymore. My God, I've got to find some way to live because I'm not going to die. Yeah. And once I sort of accepted that, then it was just like, oh, God, how am I going to find a way to live? Right. Luckily, I found one. And what ha- happened? I mean, did, did um, how, I mean, so how long were you doing drugs and all that? I before? have two bouts. When I was uh, 17, I got sober for the first time. Uh-huh. It was, I was scared straight. Right. And what happened right. was it's like, you know, the uh, everything came kind of sort of crashing down. I was sent to a... Uh, a rehab facility that was not like uh, Promises Malibu cushy thing. So like hardcore yeah, and it was like a, scrubbing toilets kind of thing? Yeah, it was that. And yelling at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an awful, awful rehab. Yeah. I think most – I think it has been dismantled. Yeah. Uh, it is like a, a method thing. of recovery that is like shame based and shame based and ineffective and really kind of messed me up. Yeah. But it, um, it, it's, it scared me until I was about 20 years old to not do anything. And then if you stop using drugs and alcohol, your life will get better. It's just, it will. Yeah. Nobody's life has ever gotten worse because right. they stopped using drugs and right, alcohol. Right. So what happened was when I was 20, I sort of took a look around. I'm like, hey, everything is all right. I can have a drink. Yeah. And you know what? I did that pretty successfully for about seven years. God, I think you were going to say days. <laughs> no, for about seven years, I drank. Wow. You know, you know, I look back on it now and I go, oh yeah, no, I was a mess. You know what I mean? But it wasn't, it, it wasn't disaster bottom time. What unfortunately it did was it, it flipped the switch and yeah. it allowed uh, everything to kind of come back. And by the time I was 25, 26, that's where it started to become a like a problem. Just alcohol though. No alcohol and then drugs came back yeah, in the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, from 20 to 25, it was just alcohol. Uh, and then that – and then when I was 27 uh, – I was really in bad shape. You know, I was really in bad shape. 27 is a hard year for people. You know, Jesus year. Yeah, it's a Jesus year. And it's, you know, it's... Wasn't good for me. It's not a good year. Uh, And that's when a lot of people 
die. And I was... Basically what happened was I hit hit a bottom. There was no rehab the the second time. There was no uh, intervention. There was just simply I am exhausted and I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And were you doing it all alone? Did you have yes. party pass? No, like, I was definitely shame. Yes, the alone. I, yeah. This thing of like, you have to cut all these people out of your life. You know what I mean? I've had to do that. There's some people I've cut out of my life yeah. because in in sobriety, I have found, oh, you're just not a person that I, you know. Yeah. But I didn't. I I didn't party with people. Yeah. I was very much alone. What's well, kind of amateur to party with people if you're an addict or an I alcoholic. think so. I mean, I don't, away, I don't mean to make a they joke. They take or your drugs. Flipping. No, but I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just like they really. I couldn't get it's serious just not about it until I was fun. Alone. I mean, and I wasn't trying to socialize or right. have a good time. I was literally trying to not feel anything. Right. I was trying to shut down any feeling I had, good, bad, whatever. Right. So what happened was, thank God. You know, this is why I don't hate that rehab experience that I had because it put the seed in my head that there was a place where I could go. So I went to that place. Yeah. We all know that place. Yes. And I was just very much like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And it's the easiest thing. They say, you know, well, why don't you try some controlled drinking? So I did. Oh, you did try that. They're not really even serious when they say that, but go on. All Glad right, you so tried I went out and I said, I'm going to have two beers at a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I failed so miserably mm-hmm. at that. So spectacularly, the next, you know, morning, uh, I, I, I said, well, that didn't work. Right. And that was it. Oh. That oh, so it, it just took one night of controlled. Yeah, one night. I said, oh, that doesn't work. Yeah. I, I get it now. Yeah. I yeah. get it. I get it. And then that was when I had this sort of moment of like, okay, now how do I, now what? Yeah. Now how, which is terrifying. And so you're still 27 at this point. Yeah, I'm 27. And that was, you know, my last drink. Oh, and wait, oh wait. So, but how old are you now? I'm 34. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got confused by the tenses I was using. Yeah. I was like, okay. So, and you've stayed sober since. I've so nine. Sober. I can't do math. But seven. Seven yeah. years. I really can't do math. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and so, what? Do, when you said what now? What? What have you found has mm. been effective in terms of helping you to live differently? Uh, talking to, um, other alcoholics, uh, about the disease that, that has been the, uh, number one thing is just sitting here and doing this Mm -hmm. and, uh, making sure that, you know, remembering that I'm different, different every day before anything else that helps, uh, finding some sort of spiritual connection with the world has been uh, enormous. That does not have to be uh, God. Like, I, the thing that, that, that really helped me was when they were just like, just imagine something greater than their, yourself. Right. Surely there is something right. in this world right. that has more power than you. Right. And, you know, when I thought about it that way, I was like, yep, okay, yeah. I'm not, you know... When I found out that I wasn't in charge of the universe, I can't tell you what a relief it was. I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not in charge. Yeah. Fine. All this time I thought I was. I am not a religious person. Right. You know, I, I, you know, but just finding some 
aspect of like, I am not in charge was good. Did you grow up with any religion? No. None. No. I'm Jewish. Yeah. But it, emphasis on the ish. Yeah, ish. Yeah. Emphasis on the ish. Uh, I wasn't bar mitzvah. Right. You know, I just, it just wasn't important to yeah. us. Yeah. You know, it's it just, and, and I am fine with that. I'm, I, you know, it's, you know, okay. But, um, and I didn't actually struggle that much with the, uh, the spiritual side of the thing. Right. Because it right. was such a relief. Um, also just acceptance, you know, it just accepting that like, uh, okay, if I do this, it sets off a, a, a switch in my head. So let's not set off that switch. Yeah. If I was, you know, it's just, it's an allergy. Yeah. You know, that was really, really helpful. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, step work, which has been good. And just, you know, I, you know, when I first got sober, I was very, very much one of those people who was every day, sometimes twice a day, in there trying to, you know, just trying to live, just trying to figure out a way to live, which I think is, a, which is what you should do. Right, right. And were you sharing a lot? Were yes. you listening a lot? Both. Were you Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because you've talked a, a li- like several times about how, you know, your using was about escaping feelings. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, yes, there are the steps, but what do you do to handle those feelings now? I'm so happy and blessed now that I am at a point in my life where I want to feel the feelings. Right. I don't care if they're the, I want the bad ones. I want the good ones. I just, I bring it on. I really have this, this great place that, that I've gotten to over the years where it's just like, all right, whatever the feelings are, I'm, right. I'm okay with. What do you, you know, I truly believe, and I might be stupid, but, but God bless if I'm stupid, that I don't think anything is going to be thrown at me that I will not be able to handle. Right. There's just nothing. Right. What could, like, I start to think of the worst thing in the world. And it's like, I will get through. Right. I will manage. Right. How did I get to that place? Um, clearing the wreckage of the past. I go to therapy every week. Right. I'll go to therapy later today. Right. Talk therapy is... Everything. Big fan myself. It's you just just to just to process stuff to yeah. process the stuff from the past. I stopped worrying about things that happened ten years ago. I stopped worrying so much about what's going to happen in ten years. I was able to find a place of like truly being in the moment and, right. and living in the now, which is very difficult for some very people. Difficult for me, but um, but I, you know, I'm I'm in good shape with that. You know, I got there through um, letting go of resentment. You know, and, and making sure that when resentments are there, also like looking at my own behavior and like something's not working in life right now. Something right. is not working in a relationship, in a, in a job situation. What is my part in it? Right. Learn. I never did that before. Never occurred to me. It never occurred to me. And that's where I think it's a disease. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, how does it not occur to you to look at your own behavior right. in something? Right. Oh, cause right. you're a mental patient. Right. You're, I'm putting that right. in an extreme way, but right. like. You're a mental patient. Well, and I used to think also, I really delusionally think, inst- I misspoke, but it's kind of accurate. Like, I will think when I'm pissed off at someone that I'm really punishing them. That yeah. like my yeah. being so yeah. angry is hurting them. Yeah. No, it's and it's hurting. Yeah. Usually not hurting them at all. No. Unaware of it. Them. Or they're like, oh, that poor angry I, woman. Yeah. I you have uh, 
you know, and I am still working on this and I will work on this forever is, is dealing with my, my anger and, and resentment. And that is a a constant struggle. And and also realizing that like, you know, and I, and I, and when it happens and when I, you know, I I just had sort of like a, a huge breakthrough with this stuff and I'm sort of looking back on like this huge breakthrough where it's like, Oh, but I've done, I've done that before. I've let go of this anger and, and changed the way I behaved with another person in my life before. Of course, with this person, why didn't I see it? You know yeah. what I mean? So then I, then I feel bad, and, and, right, but I don't right. wallow in self-pity about it. It's just sort of like, all right, great. From this moment on, I'm changing my behavior, and I don't, I, I'm not going to get it perfect all the time, right. but I'm, I'm going to try. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and I think that that we really do change our brain chemistry at a certain yes. point. Responding in a different way does change the way you're going to respond ultimately. Yes, so and it becomes easier and easier. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a muscle that gets. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but like doing the step where we write down like all of our resentments. I mean, for me, it was, and every time I listen to a sponsee do it, it's like, oh. I had five scenarios over and over and over again. I may have had 200 people that I listed, but it was yeah. really, it's the same five I've, things. I found it to be a very humbling, almost humiliating experience right. because it was just like, I, you you write all this stuff down. You're so angry. Right. And then you go through it and it's just like, all right, you're angry about that? Well, what's your part in it? Right. And you go, oh. And then a lot of times it's like you're still you're still angry about that you want to you want to stop being angry about like it just was like when you actually do that right it's sort of like yeah you're right you know what i mean well what's funny for me is i can't do it like in talking you know um it just had a thing with my sponsor the other day where i was pissed off about some somebody (laughs) talking to me and telling me a sort of well you know you're doing that for the wrong reason it was like a friend who got super shamey with me right and i was so angry and i was telling my sponsor and she said well oftentimes uh you know this should just be press press play on a sponsor's list of all-time quotes but it's like oftentimes when i'm angry at somebody it's because it's something that i do and it reminds me of them and i was very i was angry at her i was like no i am an al-anon i don't do that stuff and then she's like well you maybe you want to look at it and i felt convinced she was wrong until I started writing about it right. and then I remembered oh I do that I'm starting to realize as as I as I get older that everybody is a mess Every, yeah, everyone's really a mess are. you know and I don't <laughs> I, you know I would look and compare and it would you know and, you know I'm never I'm never jealous of anybody's success you know what I mean uh, I, I, I really am not really I'm not because I I heard long ago that like you know there's plenty of success for everybody yeah, yeah. I, which I believe, you know, yeah. there is plenty of success to go around for everybody. Somebody else's gain is not my failure. I know. I know. Um, it's hard to remember that. Remember sometimes. that sometimes. And, and also I'm a smart mouth, you know? Right. And I, and if I don't like something, I just don't like something. And I like, and, and a lot of my humor comes from like, that's garbage, you know? Right. But I, you know, I, I forget what my point was, but, but the, the, I don't. I, I just try, and, and, you know, I went through like a whopper recently. It was just like, oh, I had a lot of resentment that I thought I was giving up and I had a lot of anger and like, that's all on me. It's not on, you know, somebody else. It's, right. it's all on me. And, uh, I want to try to stay and remember that. I want to, you know, I look at that as a big moment in my life now of like, oh, oh, you have to, you, you know what I mean? I, 
Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and it's also the thing when you think you've let it go. Mm-hmm. How about that one? Yeah, that's. You're like, I've totally let it go, and then you realize, you know, you're still angry about something from yeah. nine years ago or whatever it but is. But you know, this is what everybody's a mess. You know, what yeah. I mean? Everybody has like, if somebody, I may look at someone and think they have it all put together, and who knows what hell is going on in their head or right. their personal life. It's like right. everyone, no one has it all figured out. Right. No one. I, I, you know, and that's okay. That's so comforting to me. But makes me feel less alone. Makes me feel less right. of a freak. Do you think that, um, but, you know, for alcoholics, it's harder because it's sort of a per- disease of you perception? Know what? No, I don't think it's harder for alcoholics. I think everybody has, and I think that there's this misconception about um, alcoholics, like from other people, that, like, um, but like, oh, they have, the, they have their secret club and they can all talk to each other. And it's just like, you know, you know, no, I think everybody um, has things in their life that it is really hard for. They might get overwhelmed by uh, their emotions. They might not know how to deal in the workplace. They, they, they I, I think everybody is struggling. I don't think that we get to sh- like a special badge. Right. You know what I mean? Just because we have, we deal with disease. You know, somebody um, dealing with cancer has hard. I think that they're having it's just a hard time as 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 we are. I think perhaps even harder. I would say, yeah, yeah. I would say perhaps a lot harder. Right. So I think that at a certain point, it becomes sort of a responsibility. I do think that there are some people who can't be helped. Yeah. You know, and that that's very sad. Um, but I, that's where I, I believe it's a disease, and some people die from a disease. Right. You know, and right. you know. But if you are a sober person, I, I actually think it can be dangerous to be like, I'm special. It's harder for me than right. other people. Right. I get a break because of this. It's like, no, you don't. Right. You don't. Right. Right. You know, I. You know, I, that's a little game that we can say to ourselves. Right. And that's a, that's very nice and in our, our, our meeting sometimes it's like, you know, but like at the end of the day, it's like, no, you have to be a, a human being like everybody else and get along in the world. So when somebody says, well, of course I reacted that way. I'm an alcoholic. Does that annoy you? Yeah. It, it, well, it, it, no, it doesn't. Here's the thing. It, it would annoy me if they were, if that was the end of it, if they right. weren't changing, they weren't working to change the behavior. Right. If they weren't, you know what I mean? But people that like, Oh yeah, yeah. No, I know what's wrong with me, and 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 that's the excuse right, for right, the behavior that right, never changes. Right. That's sort of like, okay, it's great. I'm so psyched you're that self-aware and understand why you're messed up. So you still gonna be messed up, or right, are you gonna right, you gonna right. stop being messed up? Do you, I, I have yeah. compassion though. You know? Right. Right. Yeah, and some people, some people can't be helped, and some people get sober and can't be helped, can't get out oh, of yeah, the misery, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah, that's horrible. It happens, though. Yeah. You know? What, do, do you hang out with a lot of sober people? Is that your I have, fan? yeah, I have, um, I don't, I have, you know, sober people in my life. I have mm-hmm. probably a lot, lot of sober people in my life. I also, you know, hang out with normal people. Right. I don't hang out with any drunks yeah. or drug addicts. And the reason why that is, is because they're, they're awful to hang out with. <laughs> they're very boring or they're evil. And, um, you know, I don't have anyone in my life like that. Right. I have a lot of people in my life that will go have two glasses of wine for right. dinner. Right. 
I will have people that every once in a while, they have a crazy night. You know, I have people that I have people in my life that uh, don't drink or don't do drugs and it has nothing to do with, so they just don't. Yeah. How about that? That, that you know what I mean? I never heard of that till I got sober. I, I, it's out there. You yeah. Know? I, I have people in my life that are, uh, deeply in recovery, you know, that, uh, and, and I, and I love those people. Um, and I have, you know, people in my life that, you know, are a, a mess, but, uh, aren't, aren't not because of drugs, not because of drugs yeah, or yeah, alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Issues because other than alcohol. Other, so. other reasons. And, um, and you know, I, so, so all, I try to have all kinds of people right. in my life. Uh, I think that's good, you know. But it, so, would you say the comedy scene? I mean, it, if it used to be rife with addiction, it's rife with sober people. Now. My two closest friends, it really is. My two closest friends that I would be uh, drinking with, they don't drink anymore. Right. You know, they just they don't. Right. We can't. Yeah. Not like we used to. Right. And and, and I will say. That all of that drinking contributed to none of the comedy, nothing creative. It just was right. actually a giant waste of time. I know, right? I do, so don't think like, oh, I got to go out and be drugged to be funny. Like, actually don't. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I, I would that, you know, I don't have regrets of, of the past, but I, but, but I do in the sense that like, don't, like, go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> go to bed. It's five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I had a lot of fun for a long time before I had a lot of not fun for a long time. But um, but I used to believe, you know, towards the end when it was really dark and I was writing all alone, I thought, first I thought I needed cocaine because right. I couldn't. And then I yeah, thought, okay, then I thought, well, no, I can do it with red wine. And right. then when I got sober, I was like, I can do it with cigarettes. And then it became, I can do it with coffee. And you know what? I actually don't need anything. Right. That's right. Sometimes it's still hell. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I, cigarettes are hard. Do you still? I don't smoke anymore. I'm trying to not smoke. I'm trying to not use nicotine lozenges. I had, right. I got off the cigarettes and I was on the nicotine lozenges for a while. Uh, it's still a battle that I'm going through. That right. is the, but I am so, it is the last thing. Yeah. You know, but I don't smoke. I until, until you get on a, I got to quit sugar thing. Then those people yeah. drive me a little crazy but I don't but I I sort of have done that sort of voluntarily like oh, really? I don't yeah I just like I was just like I don't need to I, I never was a coffee drinker yeah uh, I, I I don't need to drink all of this Red Bull um, right it just sort of like that I've had less of a hard time with right and you know I'm just I think that's just moving to LA <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do not get going from cigarettes to the lozenges and the gum and all that stuff. Oh, like, I, I do. I smoked. I mean, I smoked a lot, but I mean, I did it for the, I, I loved the ritual. Yeah. I mean, forget the nicotine. I was, I was less into the ritual than I was actually into making sure as much nicotine got into my system as possible. Right, right. I want the drug of nicotine. It creates this false sense of um, uh, alertness. Uh, focus. It's I, I've only recently started to, bec- to realize what nicotine as a drug was doing for me. Yeah, and it was doing a lot. It was it was or, or giving the sense that it was doing a lot. Right. But I mean, and I still it's a battle. I mean, I'll tell you, caffeine is more effective in terms of alertness than nicotine. I, I know. You know <laughs> what I mean. I but there's a you know that that's why you know it's a fight. It's yeah. A fight. Yeah. 
Well, and so what are you doing these days besides everything? You, <laughs> I, you have a show. Well, this will not be timely for for mm-hmm. listeners. This will, la, last week, Jake had a show at UCB. On, is I that did, true? We, what did I do last week? No, last no. Week. I'm being. I am posting this next week. You're Look at how it. on the ball oh, I, I am. So, but you have a show tomorrow night. Is what I'm saying, right? Tomorrow, I, tonight. Tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow. tomorrow last week. Yes, uh, I exactly. Had a show. And it yeah. was successful as it was hell. Very successful. Biggest success you see. Yeah, I, 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 I booked all the guests for it and cared. Um, um, but is that your podcast that you're doing? You know what? Yeah, I, I do my podcast, uh, which uh, is just really fun. It's, it, it's just, it's called the Fogelnest Files, and it's just basically like I've amassed sort of this knowledge of pop culture and the internet for 34 years and I pull things from my brain and that sort of rich history and I I pull clips and I have a guest in and I use those clips as a means to have a conversation with right. them. Right. You don't you, you feature three guests? Or um, do you... When I do it live. Okay. I will do it live once a month, usually at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. I just did it at the Bell House in New York. Uh-huh. And uh, that'll be more of like, yeah, it's a fun panel of comedians and right. stuff. And um, you know, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm doing the. I, I, I haven't been able to do those for a while because I was in, in New York writing for uh, for Billy on the Street all summer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So so while I was there, it was just uh, me and, the, and, and guests and a microphone. So I wasn't doing any live shows. So I went. But then I went and did the show live at the Bell House. So it's, it's like once a month I'll do an episode where it's like, let's have a panel and just fuck around in front of right, an audience. Yeah. Right, right. And uh, yeah, so I'll do one. At, uh, it's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun night. And it's on Earwolf. Yeah, it's on Earwolf. Yeah. And it should be weekly, but it it's hasn't weekly. been. Oh, it is always No, weekly. it's always, no, okay. it's always weekly. When I was in New York writing okay, on the were... street, I put out an episode every week. I've got, I have so many. In the can. In the can at this point, um, since I got back to LA, just because it's sort of like, sure, let's do it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, And, and, Really interesting. You know, I talk to everybody. I just, the criteria is I just got to be interested in the person. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's like everyone from Jimmy Fallon to, uh, I, I got Don Bowles, who's the drummer in the Germs, the punk band, him, him coming up. Uh, and then uh, Andy Richter is just on the show, Judah Friedlander. And just like, you know, so it's comedians and people that I'm interested in. It could be this guy. I had this guy, Jeffrey Schwartz on, who is a documentary filmmaker who, uh, you know, did the great HBO documentary on Vito Russo, the uh-huh. guy who did the cellulite closet and is a great gay activist. And, uh, and he also directed a documentary on divine, the John Waters movie okay. star. And so I had him on and I got him Paul Shear. you know, right, it's right, like, right, it's, right. you know, not, not that Paul Shear's not the best, but just like, right, right. you know, you're LA, you're LA comedian people. And then the right. weird people that I just want to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard. And you had Paul F on, I know. Oh I've yeah. Paul that. F. Yep. Um, and so, and so are you, you're writing on shows? Are you? Yeah, I was writing on, I was writing on Billy on the Street, um, this summer. By Coastal. I, well, I have been, um, I do but, uh, I'm not anymore. I'm back here. You want to be a LA person. I, well, I will, I love New York. Right. It's not cold there right now. So when it's cold, I love, I love New York. I love LA too, you know? And so. This is home. I live here. When I got off the plane after being in New York for six weeks uh, for Billy on the Street, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm home. Uh, And then I've been back and I'll go back there next month for like a a meeting and everything. But like I'm an I am an L.A. resident who has been very fortunate to get to spend some time in New York this year. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, and. 
wait, I had something so important to say and it just immediately left my head. That's I've okay. gone not to my questions. Look at all the highlights I have about you have your life. You've highlighted. You've done highlighting. <laughs> um, but, oh yeah, what about all these radio shows? Oh Are yeah, yeah. still current? You yes. have something on Sirius right now? Yes, I'm probably on Sirius right now. I have a, a wonderful job um, with Sirius XM Radio uh, where I am on two channels just playing music on the radio. Uh, I'm just a DJ, uh, and I'm on uh, a channel called Sirius XMU from 6 a.m. to noon Eastern, and then a channel called Alt Nation from noon to 6 Eastern. It's all pre-recorded. Yeah. I go in for about an hour every day and-, and Pick the songs? I don't, I don't pick every song, uh, but I'm, because that would be impossible. I would have to program 12 hours of radio right. a day. But, um, but I do get to be like, let's play this! All the time. Like, I have, like, great, like, freedom to do that. So, I rarely take advantage of it because they, it's like, what am I going to play, the Rolling Stones on the Alternative Rock channel? Like, my right. personal tastes right. uh, are, are usually ancient. Right. But uh, but I have this job, and I go in and, and uh, re- record and sometimes interview bands and stuff, and, and it, it takes about an hour a day, and it's just a great gig yeah yeah how did that come about just well i did um after i did the the public access show i worked at k-rock in new york uh or after i did the mtv show i worked at k-rock in new york when i was 17 and did radio and it was great for a couple years i had a show sunday night where i did play wherever i wanted Mm -hmm. and it was just a fun crazy show uh, and then a new program director came in and said, you have to play what we said. And I quit cause mm-hmm. I was 20 and mm-hmm. stupid. Mm. And then a couple years after that, I think I was about 24, 25, um, a buddy that was a DJ at, at K-Rock. And then he was like, you should talk to this guy, Rob Cross. Oh, oh, he was my boss when I had a show at Sirius. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nicest guy ever. Yeah. He said, you should talk to Rob Cross you know, he's looking for DJs. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do that, man. That'll be a drag. And he's like, Rob is different. You should go meet with him. And I met with Rob and Rob was just, fuck man. He just gets it. He's the nicest guy. He's the greatest. And he's hired me. And then he, and then before any of us were like, Famous, we're just messing around at UCB. He's like, your friend Paul Shear is pretty funny. Why don't you guys go on the radio at like night and just, just do some talking. You've got to play music, but talk more. Right. And, and Rob was like, gave me the opportunity to do that. And it was really fun. And um, then Howard Stern uh, left and made the announcement that he was going to Sirius. And it's like, we're all getting fired. And uh, that was like, you know, very crazy time in my life. Rob got hired at Sirius. Right. I stayed behind at uh, K-Rock getting increasingly, increasingly more furious because I knew that I was going to be out the door anyway and just screwing around. Right. They, um, in the same day I was suspended for talking crap on the air and then offered my own talk show on the new talk channel <laughs> because the radio business is stupid. Right. And I said, Oh, this is all going to, you know, Howard Stern, basically it was announced that David Lee Roth was going to be taking over for Howard Stern and that that was when I knew. I said, oh, I'm going to be unemployed in two seconds. Right. So I called over to uh, Sirius, to my friend Ross Sapin, uh, and started making a deal with them. And I stayed at Free FM doing a talk show with my friend Jackie Clark for about six weeks. Right. Then I went to Sirius. That was about seven years ago. Uh, and my boss over there now, who I work with, 
and have worked with for years is Rob Cross. Right. So it's the best job. It's the best people. Here's your other cat, Lily. Lily. Lily got excited hearing about Rob Cross. Yeah. You know. He's a great guy. And like Sirius has been a great, it's a great home for me. Right. Um, and it, it, it has, they have been so generous with just the freedom that they have given me. I did the, I had a job in New York and I said, I could do this from Los Angeles, right? And they said, yeah. So I moved here. Yeah. And nobody, if you listen on the radio, you have no idea probably that right. I moved. But like, right. I was able to move that job here. Yeah. And if I'm in New York, I can do it there. Yeah. No, that Honestly, is Honestly, I could do it from my phone, you know. Right. I really could. Right. But, you know, but so they've just been great. And, um, okay, here is what America wants to know or what I want to know. This Barksy thing. Yes. It's a, well, it's, it's a great joke that okay, I came so up with. So you yeah. made a joke last week, two weeks ago. I started a revolution. Let's be honest. Okay. And the revolution is known as Barksy. Basically, it's, it's a really great joke. I'll, I'll tell it for, first of all, you need to be familiar with the street artist Banksy. Banksy. And who isn't? Okay. So. So, okay, so if you're familiar with the street artist Banksy, it, the joke works a lot better. Okay. It's just a much better joke. I think it still works even if you don't know who Banksy okay. is. Okay, so if Banksy was a dog, he would be called Barksy. Yeah. That is the joke. That's the joke. I came up with it. There's a lot of people who are trying to take credit that they came up with the joke Barksy. What happened? You put that joke on Twitter. I put the joke on Twitter. And then, and then. Basically, I put the joke on Twitter and it was like, uh, like, what if Banksy was a dog? He'd be called Barksy. Now, now I just sit back and wait for all the retweets to, to, to roll in and people started retweeting it, but then people started writing the same joke on their Twitter feed to, to mess with me. Right. And, uh, look, I'm the originator of the Barksy joke. And, no, could, you should claim that. As... Oh, I, yeah, no, I, there's other people are scumbags. That's, that's... And then I started tweeting about how great the Barksy joke was. Yeah, that's where I caught up with it. And I was like... My favorite of that is, like, I started tweeting just, like, randomly, just like, I wonder if any celebrities have heard the Barksy joke. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, Constant Zimmer, Thomas Edison... And uh, Constant Zimmer's like, yeah, I've heard th- on the real Constant Zimmer on Twitter's like, yeah, I've heard the Barksy joke. <laughs> I was like, all right, thank you, Constant Zimmer. She likes it too, I think. Well, I, th- I mean, who wouldn't? And why wouldn't? It's just a random list of so like, what did Bruce Springsteen and Constant Zimmer have in common? Thomas Edison, though. Th- yeah, yeah. They, she, he and Constant yeah. Zimmer have yeah. everything in common. <laughs> um, but, but okay, yeah, no, my Twitter observations are besides that that's a great joke, is that you're. <laughs> obsessed with Andy Levy and Natasha Leone is obsessed with you and I've been trying to get to the bottom of it just in my own house okay um Natasha is one of my oldest friends right okay that I figured actually Andy Levy is human garbage no Andy Levy is uh is a is a guy that I met via Twitter uh but you've been on Red Eye I have been on Red Eye since because you know I used to do Red Eye a ton when I lived in New York yeah okay you met him on Twitter we met on Twitter he asked me to come on Red Eye yeah uh and I've I've done it a couple of times and And uh, I've done it when I've been back in in New York uh like this summer did you yeah I did it a couple times this summer I wish I could have done it more he your profile uh photo on Twitter uh oh that's right Andy's my profile photo uh, we just got it. We just have a, a banter back and forth where we bully each other. Yeah. And, uh, a bit it's, homoerotic. It's, it's, it's funny and great. I don't and follow I'll... him anymore. So I, I, I can't. Why not? I, Did you story. have a fight with Andy Lee? No, 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 no. Um, maybe. Oh, it, no. no, it doesn't matter. I used to do, I mean, I've done Red Eye 
30 times. I mean, uh, a lot. That's a lot of times. A lot of times. Too much, one could say. Right. Um, especially when I have no business talking about politics. Yeah, same here. And they just have me on to, so, I, so I can be an idiot. Yeah, I, I, think was, they I had, had the idiot position. Yeah, no, I had, well, I had the leg chair, which is officially, I think, what they right. consider. The, that you know. Sense. But yeah, no, there was like, a, there was an incident. Yeah, I don't know. I follow right. Greg. No, I, okay. I don't know Greg. I don't follow Greg, actually. Oh, interesting. I know interesting. Greg. Interesting. And he's my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, I, and, and every once in a while, people are like, why do you, why do you hang out with like a... Or, or, why do you engage with this Fox News guy? Well, I'm he's like, libertarian. He's like barely, like he's pretty uh, progressive, actually. Right, right, he's right. He's not uh, part of that uh, whole thing. Right, And right. Uh, he's, just, he's just a good guy. Yeah, uh-huh. he's just another. He's just. He's just a good guy. He's just a. It's Twitter. It doesn't matter. It's, it means everything. It's the How dare you? Thing. Um. Well, okay. I feel like that. That's everything. Okay, great. I mean, unless we figured it out. We figured out the we key to life. We cured alcoholism. We did. Congratulations. Great. Well, really, it was Lily. <laughs> right, Lily. Obviously, look at that face. Oh, hi. As if she couldn't cure alcoholism. Oh, my God. Look at that face. So people want to uh, find you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're everywhere. So the Fogelness Files is on Earwolf. They yeah. can find it on iTunes. That's on Earwolf and iTunes. And uh, and watch Billy on the Street. Yes, which you should do anyway. It's the funniest show. I'm ashamed I, was a fan. I haven't seen it. I was a fan of it before. Right I hear it's hilarious. It's, you will love it. It's whenever great. somebody, you know, yeah, whenever someone retweets Billy Eichner, Billy's. It's always hilarious. So I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Well, okay. Well, and what else? Where else can they find you? Uh, books? Uh, radio? What? I mean, we yeah, I'm covered on the radio. radio. I, yeah. I. Uh, Where's your book? Where is the Jake Fogelnest story? Here's the thing about that. Yeah, don't do it. It's a terrible business. That Well, there's that. Yeah. I know I could write a book. I'm sure you could. Um, I don't want to... I don't want to write the book about me... Look, I know that if I go right now and I write a book, I had a crazy 90s, especially with all the 90s nostalgia mm. going on. I could write that book. I yeah. could sell that book and stuff. And and uh, and it, it would probably really benefit my career. I don't want to. Yeah. And I'm being a baby about it. And I understand that. But I, I just want to put out new things yeah. into the yeah, universe. Not revisit. I don't want to do a, yeah. a story about, oh yeah, the show, blah, blah, blah. I'm sick of it. And I have so much other stuff. You know, I, you know, I wish I had an idea for a book about something else. Right. Um, I, you know, I just, I just don't want to write a collection of humorous essays about my wild nineties. Right. Does but that, it could do, be am a... I stupid? Probably. No, I think the collection of comedic essays is, you know, there's too many of them, frankly. Yeah. Uh, even though I have... But I could sell out. one and I'd get paid. You know what I mean? But what if you did it more as a memoir instead of a... I don't want to write a memoir Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. It would, be, it would be a I'm being book. a baby. I understand would, So are people coming after you? People have asked you? I've had opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I've had opportunity. Um, you know, I nothing like major. Right, not right, like right. Simon & Schuster's banging down my door. Right. Like, Please write a book. You know? Right. But no, there's been opportunities that I, I, you, I could take that I just... When I sat down to really think about it, I didn't follow up on it. Would I like to do more writing? Yes. Um, but I, I I, know I'm wrong. I don't I'm, think you are. Here's right. why. You know, I'm on the eve of my sixth book coming out. And right. my but bitterness is exploding. Do, right? No, but I think if you didn't have so many other things going on and so many other sort of exciting facets that are far more rewarding on a number of levels, financially being one of them probably, then you would be being stupid. But I think you're right. 
I think you I think you have a, like a future to live rather than a past to revisit. I would think a book deal would be a little bit more fi- financially rewarding than a podcast. But I you would be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I don't know. I I I I hear what you're saying, but I do. I'm always looking at sort of my laziness and my fears, and like, mm. should I should I just do that? You know what I mean? You do not seem lazy. I feel it. I really do. But do you think that's sort of alcoholism? Um, you know, that sort of that sort of like you know thing on your shoulder that's like you're not doing enough. Um, maybe, maybe I think it. Uh, you know, I think it is also. You know, I think maybe I have a resentment about this. I think that my uh, alcoholism, and I, I, I hate to hear this even coming out of my mouth. I don't want to use it as an excuse, but I feel like I sometimes uh, I've had to go slowly with stuff right. because the sobriety does come first. Right. And I am someone who gets over, you know, where there'll be other people that go overwhelmed by other things. I get overwhelmed by career stuff, and I have to be very careful of that uh, with me. You know what I mean? I just, I, you know, I always feel like I could do more. I could, be, but like, I'm I'm better than I was a year ago. Uh, I'm certainly better than I was two years ago. I see improvement, but I still feel like I have ways to go. But I'll talk about that at therapy at four right. o'clock today. Well, I'm incredibly jealous of your career. If that helps, because I have not worked through my jealousy issues. No, I mean I listen right. to it and I'm like, you have so much going on. It's that's that yeah. The whatever voice is telling you the whatever, it's not yeah, true. I think it's a I, to me. It looks it's the appearance of having a lot of things going on. But there's actually not that much going well, on. No, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Right. Okay, you have been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank this you so much fun. for doing this. Sure. Okay, I'm stopping.